Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only stay on top of technology, but then decide how to incorporate that all into your family's life. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you, mom and dad, educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about the very popular video game platform, Steam. Now, it may be encouraging to know that as I prepared for this podcast, I really went into it knowing almost nothing about Steam. I knew it had to do with video games. I knew it was very popular. So I went to my husband and I said, I think I need to review Steam. It's very popular with the quarantine and everybody sort of in this shelter in place. Steam is growing in popularity even now, knowing that it had been around for 16 years. Well, I was surprised to find out that not only did my husband have a Steam account and has had one for almost all 16 years that it's existed, but that my children, a few of them, also have a Steam account that is managed and and kind of co-viewed through my husband. So I was very, very pleased, but yet surprised to know that there was this platform being used in my home that I really didn't even know that much about. Luckily, I didn't have to because he did. But if you're a mom or dad out there who just has no clue what Steam is, but you might have heard your kids talk about it, or you've seen it in the app store or advertise, we're going to give you the five facts so that you know what is going on with Steam. Fact number one, Steam is a video game distribution platform. It boasts over 150 million players. The Steam community caters to both the gamer and game developers. So as a gamer, you can go in, you purchase, you download games to play on your PC. Now, if you're a developer, whether you're like a small indie developer, creator, or a large company, you can sell your games through Steam. Now, Steam is not just a website or an app, but it's an actual platform that's installed as an application on your computer. They call this the Steam Engine. Now, if you're a little less than tech savvy, the best comparison I have for you is like iTunes. If you have an Apple device, you've likely installed the iTunes application platform onto your computer in order to access your music, set up new devices, purchase media. The application is still connecting and using the internet, but it does so without a browser. It's actually right installed onto the computer. This is beneficial because it allows you to store a large collection of games without using too much of your computer's memory. So another way of looking at Steam, and I thought this was helpful, is that Steam is to gaming what Netflix is to television. It's just a big warehouse of all sorts of games that you can get and download. Now, although Steam itself is free to use, the games that are offered aren't always free. Some are but they can range anywhere from a dollar up to $70 per game. Fact number two, Steam apps. Now there are several apps that you can download both in the Apple iTunes store and Google Play, but it's not the exact same as having the application installed on your computer. So there's three different apps that we're gonna talk about. The first one is the Steam mobile app. Now this allows you to chat with your Steam friends, access your inventory of games, trade games, access the community market where you can buy 
like weapons or different things to use inside of games. You can also see the latest posts and popular content that's on the forums, the community forums that they have. And you can also download and install games right to your PC, but do it mobily from your phone. So the Steam mobile app doesn't actually allow you to play games. That all is done through the Steam engine that you have to install on your PC at home. The second app is the Steam Chat. So this is an app that's specifically created for you to do your communication in Steam. So you can chat with your friends wherever you go, send messages, video links, tweets, GIFs, basically the same type of chat platform that almost all gaming and other apps have. Your notifications can be customized, so you're never missing a message or a game invite from someone. And through this chat app, you can also see who is online and already playing. The third Steam app that they offer is the Steam Link app. And this allows you to play desktop games on your iPhone or iPad. So it is possible to play without the Steam engine. But as my husband explained to me, it's very complicated and most people aren't going to take the time to do it. And you have to stay close to your actual router to do it. So essentially, it requires you to be running, you know, a high level of iOS 11.0 or higher. And you also have to be connected to the same local network as the computer that is running the Steam engine. So essentially, you can play the games that are in your Steam library. But again, you have to be at home and within a reasonable range of your router. So I can only think of the benefit of this is if you had friends over and some people wanted to play on the PC and some were going to want to play the same game but play it on their phone then you could do so. Otherwise, it's just a way to sort of get those same games to the mobile device. Now, fact number three about Steam is the community. A very popular feature in Steam is the community. So the home community is sort of organized by screenshots. That would be screenshots of your in-game play, artwork, broadcasts, which are sort of live streams, videos, workshops, news, guides, and reviews. Those are your categories. Now, there is a community discussions, and that's this all-inclusive forum where you can learn about games or get help with a certain game, or you can just chat with like-minded players. You can, of course, add your real-life friends on Steam in order to play games together, and then again, talk to them through these community discussions. Regardless, we have to recognize that no matter how many chatting apps and applications and forums that there can be on these games, we have to recognize that it's really easy for kids who are on here to connect and communicate with anyone on the platform, inside Steams, and through the games themselves. That can be, yes, they're real-life friends, but it can also be strangers from around the world. Now, aside from the community discussions, there is also the community market. I mentioned this before, and this is where players can buy and sell items and add-ons to use inside games. And these items can range in price anywhere. I looked on there and I found something for a penny, but I also found a sword inside of a game that was going for $800. So according to the estimations, they say that usually about $1,000 is the most expensive. So as a parent, you're probably thinking, mind blown, who would ever pay $800 for a sword to use in a video game? Well, I don't know who they are, but there is definitely a market for that type of item. Also in the community is the community workshop. 
And this is where you can create, discover, and download content for your game. Now, it's not like a workshop where you go and you learn something, because that's what I initially thought that it was when it said workshop under community, but rather it's a workshop where you build stuff to add on to your actual game that you think would be really cool, and then you can submit it um, to be offered in that game's, quote, workshop. So you would go to the workshop and maybe purchase these different add-ons. You know, you've programmed and coded something that you think would be really cool, and you submit it to Steam, and then they say, yes, that'd be great, right? And you offer it for sale inside this market. And finally, in the community, there's also broadcasts. This is where players can broadcast their play. It can be either pre-recorded or in real time. So this is very similar to maybe broadcasting yourself on YouTube and Twitch as streamers. But again, recognizing this can pose a potential risk as you never know what you're going to get when you're watching anything live. So we jumped in here. I looked at a few Some of the top broadcasts that were offered to me as I was reviewing this was a new game called Drug Deal Simulator. Essentially, as I watched these two adult gamers play who were fully clothed and fully appropriate, there was nothing inappropriate about them. You could only see their faces up in the top right-hand side of the screen, and then the rest of the screen was their gameplay. And essentially, the goal was to deliver two grams of amphetamine to Johnny, whoever Johnny was. So not only do you have this potential of, of maybe people being inappropriate who are the streamers, but then you have these games, which we're going to get into a little bit later, that are clearly not something we would condone or encourage our kids to be a part of, of pretending to be a drug dealer and delivering all these illegal drugs. We know that's kind of fantasy, definitely something to consider when allowing your child on here and watching community broadcasts. Now, with that said, fact number four, is Steam's Family View. Steam's parental controls come in the form of what they call Family View. It allows families to establish their own rules for what components of Steam are accessible to their family members. So this is fantastic. We love when platforms offer this, and that gives parental control. So this is really great. You can use Family View to limit your child's account from accessing certain content and features. So for example, if you don't want your child to access the Steam store or only certain games in their library, if you don't want them accessing the community or the sort of chat and forum features, you can disable all of those. And it's all password protected um, and very easy to set up with what they call like a guided wizard. And whenever you want to change these parental settings, you can just start the wizard back up and modify them. Now, even with these parental controls in place, it will be very important for parents to vet each game that your child wishes to download and play. Steam's rating system um, sort of displays the user ratings, and they can go from anywhere that's overwhelmingly positive or overwhelmingly negative. But, for example, Grand Theft Auto V is a game that is available on Steam. It has a you know, overwhelmingly positive rating by the users. Now, if you know anything about Grand Theft Auto 1 through 5, this is a really terrible game. It is rated M for Mature. It contains um, not only violence and, and cursing, but you can buy prostitutes, you can sleep with them, then run them over with your car, and then take your money back that you paid. It's really just immoral and totally not meant for kids at all. But again, if you only go by that rating, which is overwhelmingly positive, 
then you're not going to have a real idea of the game. So the most games do have the ESRB rating, which is what you would find on a game that you would buy in the store or that you would see through Xbox. They all have those sort of ratings. However, there are the indie games. Those are games that are sort of created by amateur game developers. They're not always going to have ratings. So it's important to sort of read the reviews and, and really look into that game and know what's going to happen in that game before you dive in and decide if that's ready for your child. But it is ultimately essential for you to limit access and review these games that you want to play. Mature and sexually explicit games are, are abundant here on Steam. And they range from things that we saw were genital jousting. I didn't even want to open that or go anywhere near that when I saw that name. House Party is known to be all about sexual um, and drinking, drugs, all of that. And then again, as I mentioned, Grand Theft Auto. And all of these are only one click away from minors, meaning anyone under the age of 18 who doesn't fit that M for mature rating, that can, they can gain access if there are no parental controls in place. Now, fact number five, these parental controls and ratings. Apple rates the apps, which is very interesting how the, the ratings are, but the Apple um, iTunes store rates the Steam Mobile and Steam Chat as 12 plus and the Steam Link as 17 plus. And I'm not really sure why they have a 17 plus rating on that. However, Android, the Google Play store, says the Steam Link app is E for everyone, while the mobile and chat is T for teen. So this really just goes to show how, how messed up and inaccurate a lot of these rating systems are within these app stores. Steam itself says that you have to be 13 years or older in order to create an account and be on the platform. So we at Brave Parenting are going to take the stance of 13 and older for sure, but there should definitely be parental controls in place until your child definitely demonstrates responsibility, maturity, and readiness to handle some of those difficult games or difficult conversations. So maybe that might be 15, maybe it's 16, but right around there. So while the generalities of Steam can raise some red flags, conversations with strangers, the games, the availability, and the comprehensive parental controls that they have that are passcode protected can make it a fairly safe environment. Because this is primarily this computer application and it's not an app on their mobile mobile phone, only the kids who actually have access to that computer or are comfortable playing on a computer are really going to be the ones that will seek out Steam. Furthermore, because the Steam engine is required to play games, for the most part, you won't have kids trying to sneak Steam games in at school because, again, the application is not going to be downloaded onto those computers. If your child does desire to get onto Steam, we do highly recommend you create the account with them. Co-view them as they begin to navigate through downloading and playing these games. This is where you as a parent can first gain understanding in exactly what they're doing. And two, gain wisdom to see what areas of Steam that you really want to limit through the family view. I recommend you do this with them. You kind of take a look around and then decide what areas are going to be accessible, what type of games, and then you establish your parental controls. Don't wait a month after they've already been playing certain games, but do this early on. That way they're used to already having a restricted account. And then as they demonstrate responsibility and readiness, as we always say with so many things, 
then you can ease up on those restrictions. The greatest concerns as that we would really warn most parents about is first, time, of course. Time can really be lost spending time on these video games. The second would be spending, spending of money, because a lot of these games can cost a lot of money. And then the third concern we have is the communication. So be sure to keep kids accountable to a certain limit of online gaming per day. We recommend a maximum of two hours per day, with the exception of maybe rainy weekend days, they can get a little bit more. Maybe right now during the quarantine, you're allowing a little bit more and that's okay. But as things start to reopen, as they're able to hang out with friends again, of course, we really do encourage you to go back to this two-hour time frame so that their childhood can be balanced with real-life relationships as well as physical activity and some gaming. To limit spending, you can either restrict the store um, or you could possibly have, if they're old enough, to have their own debit account attached to the game. That would mean, obviously, they have to have that and they have to have money in an account. Or you can create an account for yourself. And this is what my husband had told me that he did for my teenage boys is he did not want them to have their own debit account create linked to it because they were afraid that they might spend too much money. And he also really didn't want them to have access to buy these items on their own. So they come to him and they say, hey, this is the game that we would like. He reviews it and then he purchases it on his account. And then you can gift that game to other players that you are sort of friends with within the game. So he purchases it and gifts it to his friends, excuse me. That way they can then play the games. The game is then added to their library, which is the safest way that we have found in order for our kids, not only for us to review them, but for our kids to have the games that they would like without having to worry about them spending too much money. And finally, almost all these games today have this ability to communicate, to chat, even if it's not a video game. Um, An app that is simple and obscure that you think is innocent, it too probably has a chatting feature that can connect them with people all around the world. So it's really important for us to have this constant conversation, reminding and and encouraging our kids to leave a game or a conversation that might ever turn inappropriate, to report anything that is weird back to you, knowing that they're not necessarily going to get in trouble, but that you can walk them through how to get out of that weird, awkward, inappropriate conversation. Kids tend to approach these games with such innocent intentions, and they really assume others do as well. Unfortunately, it is our jobs as parents to remind them that creeps and predators are online, and they love to be wherever kids are, especially video games. So now I want to touch on some news if you will, as well as some concern about STEAM, because it's very important. I often talk about the NCOSE's Dirty Dozen List. This is the National Coalition Against Sexual Exploitation. And they create this list of 13 different corporations, public corporations, that are really contributing to sexual exploitation. Well, in 2018, 2019, and now 2020, STEAM has made the NCOSE's Dirty Dozen List. Now, in 2018, Steam created controversy for itself when it told a select amount of game developers to pull sexual content from their games. But then they reversed that stance, and then all of a sudden came up with this new policy where they basically said, allow everything on the Steam store except for what we decide, as a corporation, to be illegal 
or straight up trolling. Well, clearly that did not go over well with those of us who are against sexual exploitation. And since Steam implemented this anything goes policy in 2018, with of course there are a few exceptions, sexually exploitive games on Steam have skyrocketed, going from just over 700 games tagged the keyword nudity to in in 2017 to now in 2020 there is over 3900 games tagged with the keyword nudity which is really just unnecessary for video games so additionally because the platform grants all users access to the hundreds of games promoting this gratuitous sexual content violence and harassment this national center on sexual exploitation has named steam as one of these major contributors They believe that these games have one theme in common. Sexual exploitation is okay, as long as it's, quote, fake. And that is one thing that we do not want to promote at all. While you you may decide to ban Steam altogether because they are allowing this sort of thing, even if you can block it, and that's great. That is an okay decision to completely ban a company who has anything to do with that. But again, if you decide that you can use it, you set up the parental controls, you can limit it, there are a lot of great and really educational games that you can find on Steam. So the NCOSE is calling on Steam and its parent company, Valve, to create an 18-plus category with an extensive opt-in to view that content so that young gamers are no longer automatically exposed to this content. So definitely something to consider and to realize that this is going on. Now, if you want to learn more about the evidence that they have found, there is um, a wealth of information on NCOSE's website. You can see when you click under Steam and then Evidence, they'll even show you screenshots of the different games that they have found. Thank goodness they have the, um, the inappropriate content blacked out, you know, with bars. Thank goodness, right? But it is, it's very eye-opening to see. So it was very good to check that out. You can find more at that at endsexualexploitation.org forward slash steam. Again, that's endsexualexploitation.org forward slash steam. Or you can also go to that same website and learn more about the other 12 corporations that were named to 2020's Dirty Dozen lists. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you missed anything in the show or you want to learn more, Find us online at braveparenting.net. If you have any questions about STEAM, any stories that you would like to share, we would love to hear them. Email us at podcasts at braveparenting.net. And for in-depth look how you can build strong character using the technology children love, pick up a copy of our book on Amazon, Managing Media Creating Character. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you are, we appreciate it. And if you would subscribe so you don't miss any episodes as well as leave any reviews. That would be great. It's how other people find out about the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.